Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Okay, welcome to the first Thursday Refuge Recovery World Services teacher-led offering. I'm Noah. Nice to see everybody. Um, Welcome. Um, Just as a reminder, this is not a refuge recovery meeting. Refuge recovery meetings are peer-led. This is a teacher-led meeting. I'm going to offer some meditation instructions and Dharma talk, Dharma reflections, and uh, have some Q&A. If you're looking for a meeting, you're welcome to join us for this, but this is not a good representation of what refuge recovery meetings are like, Um, but you can find those on the website and there are lots of online Zoom refuge meetings every day. I wanna start with a meditation and I'll I'll give some instructions, Um, but my topic for tonight is uh, loosely around generosity. And so I'd like to just ask you to um, generosity and service and um, think about your inner relationship before we meditate. What's a generous inner attitude? What would it mean to you in your meditation to be generous with yourself, to give to yourself? And as we sit tonight, try to bring that attitude of generosity that, um, you know, maybe it's as simple as giving your full attention, your generous attention to the present. Um, Sometimes we think of generosity as like doing something for ourselves um, that's maybe not that healthy, like... I was being really generous with myself when I ate all of that unhealthy food. <laughs> or, um, so think of the generosity here on, and the bigger picture of our recovery and of the Buddha's teachings of um, giving that which leads to freedom rather than temporary pleasures or comfort. Or I mean, one, one of the things of, uh, that we're doing in, in sitting meditation is learning to be uncomfortable. And it can be so counterintuitive to be like, I'm just gonna sit here and it's an act of, of generosity to be in pain and to tolerate my pain and to be mindful of it. And ultimately the most generous relationship that we can have is compassionate response to our own pain as well as the pain of others. So try to frame it like that. If, if, if it's helpful, if you want to, try to frame your meditation in that way tonight that um, the intention is to be present fully here with what you're experiencing with this attitude of, of generosity, giving our full attention to our own moment to moment experience. And um, that it's actually incredibly generous to stay with discomfort rather than avoid it. And I'll talk a little bit more about that afterwards in the reflections and, and Q and A.
But find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed. A meditation posture. And as you're ready, allow your eyes to be closed. Take a few moments to relax into the posture, to find a sustainable, upright way to sit and release any tension that you can release in the eyes or face, the jaw, the brow. Breathing in, feel the sensations that the breath creates. Breathing out, soften, release. Tension in the neck and shoulders and chest and belly. with each exhale softening. You know, there's just an inner attitude of generosity. Often I call it uh, friendliness or loving kindness. So be generous with your kindness towards your mind, with your friendliness, with your forgiveness, rather than feeding the stories about the past or the future. Letting the thoughts be in the background as we give our full awareness to the present time embodied experience, sitting here, feel the contact with the sitting posture, whether you're on a chair or cushion, couch, bed, wherever you are. Feel the breath as it expands and contracts the chest and belly, rising and falling. Present time, non-judgmental, kind, an investigative awareness, investigating the sensations, 
the impermanent nature of the sensations that we're aware of. For these first few minutes, let the breath be the primary focus, mindfulness of the breath, allowing the thoughts and other sense door activity to be background as we bring the sensations of the breath to the foreground of our attention. When the attention gets drawn into a plan or a memory, just knowing that that's what's happening, thinking is happening, planning, judging, fearing, hoping, worrying, whatever those thoughts are that are drawing your attention away from the breath. Be Gentle as you return to the breath. As the sounds draw our attention away from the breath, perhaps lead to a proliferation of thoughts. Acknowledge it again, hearing, thinking. And then coming 
back, choosing to return to the body here, now. Breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, know that you're breathing out. Learning to direct our attention, even though the attention wanders, is drawn to sound, to thought. Seeing that we can choose to return to the present time experience of the breath over and over. Just a half a breath at a time, just full awareness, comprehension, reception of the sensations of breathing in. And then just half a breath, full awareness of the sensations of exhaling. No need to control the breath or breathe any certain way, just paying attention to your natural body's rhythm of the breath. When you notice tension in the jaw or the 
shoulders or belly, remember to soften. Let go, relax into an undefended posture. begin expanding from the breath to include the whole body. This body with all of its parts, the skin, hair, nails, the externally interacting parts of your body where you feel temperature, sensation, the internal, the organs, the bones, the veins, arteries. Becoming mindful, reflecting that this body is made up of the four elements. Feeling the air element with each breath. Sensing the earth element in the contact, the bones, feeling the heat fire element and the temperature, the warmth, coolness. And feeling the water element, becoming mindful that this body is majority fluid, almost 80% water.
And this body has six sense doors, six ways of knowing, of hearing and seeing, smelling and tasting, feeling, sensations, and thoughts, thoughts and emotions that arise in the mind and are experienced in the body. Our mindfulness becomes inclusive of our whole being, physical, emotional, mental. Present time, kind, generous awareness towards your mind, your heart, and your body. Thoughts arising and passing, sensations coming and going, sounds. And all of our experience perceived as either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Bring this quality of investigation to the feeling tone, the second foundation, whether it's a thought that you're involved in or aware of, is it a pleasant thought, an unpleasant thought, or neutral? The sensations here in your body, some pleasant, some unpleasant, much of the body probably neutral. We get so focused on what's wrong, on what's unpleasant, what's painful. What's not painful in your body right now?
inclining our heart and our mind to meet all of the unpleasant thoughts, feelings, sensations, sounds, smells, tastes, with tolerance and mercy and compassion. Inclining our heart and mind, training our mind to meet pleasure with non-attachment, non-clinging. With the understanding that all things are impermanent, we learn to let go. Ending this short meditation with the loving kindness phrases saying to ourselves, may I be happy? May I be at ease? May I be free from suffering? These generous, loving intentions towards ourselves, even if you don't mean it yet. A couple more times to yourself in your own heart. May I be happy, may I be at ease. May I be free from suffering, the suffering of addiction, the suffering of attachment, of aversion, of resentment. May I be free. Then extending that same wish to your Sangha, the 55 other people here in the Zoom room with us right now, live, meditating, sending loving kindness to each other. May you be happy, may you be at ease, find well being, contentment. May you be free from suffering, the causes of suffering, and you learn to let go, to forgive. May you meet all of your pain with compassion. And extending this wish outward in all directions to the other loved ones in your life, sangha, community, friends. Radiating loving kindness, this act of generous intention, goodwill. In all directions, east, west, north, south. including all sentient beings in our generous, loving, kind 
intentions. May all beings be at ease. May all beings be at ease. May all beings be free. When you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open, bring your attention back to the space you're in, the room, the environment, the screen that appears in front of you. I want to talk about generosity, service, um, and just how necessary it is for us on our path of recovery to uh, dedicate some amount of our life's energy to um, being generous and being of service and um, giving freely of our time, our energy our resources to to each other. Uh, it's said, it's, um, it's thought to be true that uh, generosity, what we call dana, uh, the importance of, of giving of our time, of our energy, of our sharing our food, sharing our resources with each other, is said to be um, the initial teaching that the Buddha most often gave to to people when they came to learn this path of enlightenment, you know, before, which I think, I think this is important before teaching meditation, you know, you think if you like, we're going to go see a, a Buddha, the Buddha, be like, Hey, Buddha, teach me how to meditate and be like, first, I want to teach you how to give before we're going to get to the mind training, mindfulness, compassion, forgiveness, first non-attachment, right? Like exactly what the meditation is going to teach us. We and um, learn, learn to let go of, of our selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, I, me, mine, my stuff, my <laughs> uh, tendency that we're all born into, you know, and it seems to be the case that part of birth, part of incarnation, part of existence um, for humans is a self-centeredness. Um, there's something about our mind, our big human brain that uh, thinks about itself most of the time. And as far as I can tell, it seems to be um, just like a survival instinct. Something, not, it's not your fault. It's like, you know, self-centeredness sounds like a insult, doesn't it? Like if you call somebody conceited or vain or self-centered, or it's like, it's like a diss. <laughs> it's like you're talking shit, like, oh, you're so self-centered. But Buddhism, and one of the things I love about Buddhism is that it just normalizes the human condition. And it says, part of being a human and as addicts, I think that on some level, there's even more like, uh, 
intense experience of the human condition. But part of being a human is that you're going to be thinking about yourself. You're going to have conceit, vanity, um, and even even the people, you know, some issues around self-esteem, self-worth. And I think this is important. Most of you already know this, but even that feeling of like, oh, I don't think about myself. I think about other people or, or, or when I do think about myself, I just think of like, what a piece of shit I am, unworthy, unlovable, on something. Um, but low self-esteem is self-centeredness. It's still, I am thinking about myself and how unworthy I am all of the time. And it's this extreme state of self-centeredness. And so I hope this makes sense. What I'm trying to do and what I love about Buddhism is that it normalized, like you're not, there's nothing wrong with you because you think about yourself all of the time because we all do. It's just what the human mind does. And because that's true for everyone, generosity, getting, being of service, thinking about others, putting ourselves in an empathetic, compassionate, generous, and training the mind to do that, because the mind isn't very good at doing that all by itself. And we have varying, you know, I think that there's, it's hard to talk about all humans or all addicts, because we have different levels of wounds, different levels of neurosis, different levels of mental, you know, illness that we're dealing with. So it's not like, it's hard to, to, to say like, oh, this is true for everyone. Because there's different levels of it. Self-centeredness is true for everyone. But there's extreme levels of self-centeredness. And then there's, you know, some people who are um, quite easily uh, other-centered, very generous, very naturally giving and um, I don't even feel, you know, qualified to talk about the self-centeredness of codependency, um, you know, and how that, that sort of phenomena of like, no, no, I'm like always thinking about someone else, but how there's so much self clinging in that externalizing uh, and putting our needs for other people to be different than they are. So in refuge, we say right from the beginning, um, just, you know, this is coming from the Buddha's teaching, be generous. Um, even the, the structure of our meetings, let's do a donation-based, freely offered, but donate in order to support the meeting, pay the rent, support the organization, freely offered. You get to practice generosity. In Refuge, we have a, a $5 suggested donation um, for the meetings. And I think it's quite interesting to, and I know this maybe will take a little bit of time, but think, you know, maybe it's a mental exercise, but think about taking five ones when you go to the meeting and put $1 in the basket at a time with mindfulness of how does it feel to give $1 and then to give the second dollar and then to give the third dollar. And maybe you're at a place where you're like, you know what, $3 feels like that's enough. $2 is enough, <laughs> you know, like, but so that you trust that the act of giving is a mindfulness practice rather than a mindless, like, oh yeah, it's time to donate. So you just either do or don't whatever you choose to do. 
but to actually bring awareness in. This is what it feels like to give. This is how it feels in my mind and in my body. We, you know, our whole structure is service-based, you know, voluntary, um, taking a service position as a secretary, as a uh, door person, as a group rep, as a um, greeter, as a, you know, all of the different, a minutes taker, a, uh, all of these different opportunities within our community to say, I'm going to voluntarily give my time to this group. I'm going to be of service. I'm going to take a commitment, a six month or a three month or a one year service commitment. I'm going to show up. And I'm going to give freely of my time. Again, this is all, um, I mean, of course, it's how our community runs, but it's how our recovery happens. Our recovery happens by getting out of our self-centered, what can I get out of this group out of this meditation to this shift to like, what can I give? And of course it's both. And it's not like either you're getting or you're giving by giving. There's a feeling, like I said, like, check it out. How's it feel to give? Oh, it actually feels good to be of service. It feels good to give. Um, the whole system of mentoring each other of actually doing our own work, you know, coming into the recovery rooms and uh, learning meditation, doing our inventories. And then once we've started working on our inventories, the encouragement is start being of service to other people. You don't have to finish your whole inventory. And, you know, once you've got a few questions going and there's a new person and they're saying, are there any mentors available? We should be raising our hands. If you're working on your inventories, you should be raising your hand to mentor other people through the inventory. Um, you know, if we're still just like, no, I'm just here for me and I don't have enough time and I'm trying to figure my shit out. Part of figuring our shit out, part of our recovering is going to be passing it on, is going to be being generous with our time, with our energy. Even if you feel like you don't know what you're talking about yet, that's okay because it's in the book, because it's in the meetings. You don't need to have the answers. You don't have the answers. You go with your mentee back to the book and say, let's look this up together. I don't know. Let's look it up together. And so, I mean, it's been such a huge part of my own experience in recovery, taking people through the process, whether it was in the 12 steps, taking people through that process, or now in refuge, taking people through the inventories, taking people through the chapter by chapter through the book. So part of the reason I'm thinking about this is because um, like many of you, I go to refuge meetings regularly. And there's this thing, this dilemma that we've had in refuge for the last, from the beginning, eight years. In the beginning, I thought like, oh, this will organically happen but this lack of people raising their hand to mentor each other. And I don't know, I'm not totally sure why, but I, I, part of the reason I want this topic tonight and to put this out into the Sangha uh, is the importance of generosity. We're not here just to be mentored, we're here to give back. And um, giving back is gonna be part, a necessary part of breaking our self-centeredness and recovering. So many opportunities to be of service uh, in this world. 
you know, like, of course, here in refuge, it's we can mentor, we can take service commitments, we can donate and, you know, be part of the financial support. That's a way that we can do it too. Um, we can start meetings. Many of you, I'm sure, have started online meetings or in-person meetings. Um, what a great activity of service it is to start a meeting and go and show up and like maybe one or two people show up. Um, and then three people show up and then five people show up. And then a few months in, you have this group, this Sangha of people, hopefully in your area that are showing up. And it's because you chose to be of service. You opened the door, you paid the rent, you dedicated your time and energy to, uh, for your own recovery, but you were able to provide this community. I wanna deeply encourage now that COVID restrictions are lifting and here back at World Services, where we kind of run the listings, we're still like, well, what in-person meetings are happening? Which ones aren't? We, you know, get contacted all the time. It's like, hey, is there a meeting in, you know, wherever? And we're like, there used to be meetings. They shut down for COVID. We're not sure if they've come back, but nobody's told us. Um, so I, I really want to deeply encourage this service, mentor each other, and start meetings and take service commitments at meetings and do this and, and remember that this is part of our healing. That's an integral part of our recovery. Of course, it's much bigger than just refuge recovery, generosity, service, engagement. Um, you know, having kind of grown up in AA and them saying, you know, we continue to be of service to other alcoholics. I always felt like that was too small. I love it. We do, you know, and as part of peer-led addiction recovery, we need to help each other, be of service to each other. But I've always felt like that this world, um, there's so much need. And so early on in my recovery, I started volunteering at hospice. I started working for an AIDS outreach program, doing street outreach. I wanted to be of service to the world uh, in a much bigger way than just helping other people in the recovery rooms. Um, I think it probably in, you know, in Buddhism, I heard about creating a positive change on this planet. Now we're doing that when we're of service to each other in recovery, when we're generous and we're mentoring and we're showing up and doing the commitments at the meetings. But I've, I've, maybe this is my own thing, but my sense is a socially, politically engaged, whether it's for the environment or for you know, whatever cause, whatever population, whatever demographic, animals, uh, environment, social, political service, engagement, I feel like is key. Now, you know, as, as refuge recovery, we're not gonna tell you what kind of service to do or what kind of engagement to, to, to be in, um, but just a, a really strong, passionate feeling that it's important to be engaged in something that's helping, that's part of the solution. In recovery and outside of recovery. 
maybe I'll leave it there. That's my sort of like, those are my reflections. It's uh, what I've been doing in my recovery for all of these years. Um, I've never had a time I'm coming up. I'll have 34 years this, this year. And um, from the beginning, I've been, I've had a service commitment. I've done service. I've been sponsoring or mentoring or, you know, uh, leading people through this stuff. Um, from the beginning, I've never not been engaged in service, picking up the phone, um, showing up to the meetings. And I think it's a core part of that, uh, why I've stuck around, how I've stayed in recovery, sober. And, uh, and you know, it's encouragement that I want to pass on to you. May you all have successful recoveries and may that be, uh, you know, maybe service be an integral part of your successful recovery. So I'll open it up for questions or comments or clarifications about um, what I'm saying. You can raise your hand in the reactions. Um, I believe there's a little hand that will go up on your screen and it's like a little blue hand or something. EC, go ahead and jump in. Hi, hi, uh, I'm new since uh, I started uh, attending meetings on Monday. Um, and I was just curious, as you were talking about service, uh, did you ever have groups in Toronto? Because I think this, I've just, the minute I, the minute I landed in a meeting, I felt at home and just, if I mean, I've been practicing for a few years already. And so it felt absolutely right on the point. Uh, so uh, is there a history of meetings in Canada or? There is lot, lots of meetings in Canada. There was several meetings in Toronto. The um, Toronto Refuge Group was meeting at um, Shambhala for a long time, uh, Toronto Shambhala. Right. I think they went online uh, and I think they continue to meet online, the Toronto Shambhala Group. Somebody here might know more. Um, but it's a refuge meeting and, you know, and I think you guys have been had more sort of lockdown than us. So like all the meetings keep getting locked down. We're still locked down. Phil, uh, Phil, go ahead and unmute yourself if you have information about that. Yeah, I'm a co-secretary for the Trillium Group. It's out of Toronto, uh, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Cool. Um, it's a um, it's a uh, book study meeting. I'm one of the uh, co-secretaries. So where, yeah, we. Where, we nice where are you guys? Where where are you located? Usually, when well, it's right now it's online. Yeah, uh, right now it's online. But uh, uh, we uh, if we do get a uh, hybrid going, it'll be at the uh, Shambhala Toronto Center Christie Subway Station. Uh -huh. Very close to there. Yeah. So maybe um, EC and Phil, uh, if you feel comfortable, maybe you could exchange. We should exchange because I mean I'm not ready to lead a group, but I would be interested eventually in adding to. You should audience. be able to do that in the chat function if you directly chat each other, and then you can exchange and connect and and support each other in that way. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, Phil. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, Jonathan. Go ahead. Yeah. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for. The Thanks for the talk and the sit. <laughs> like I appreciate this subject so much, and and as someone coming from like twelve step before refuge was a thing, like I, I feel the same, right? And like and I, like I often reflect on like why exactly what you're saying, like why is there not as much like people putting up their hand for mentorship and so forth, right? And like 
it, it's like there's like the only thing that I come up with is like it's such a distinct difference in like where like back in old school AA like people would like grab you and like make you do shit and it's like kind of like not the not what we're doing here right and I think I mean like I don't know if that's like the one distinction or if it's just like the newness of the thing and there's just like it's it's just building right yeah. um, but my question is this <laughs> totally unrelated to the talk and the subject when are we going to get a refuge recovery daily reader man <laughs> Oh, like a like a three sixty five, just yeah, like a like a little. Exactly. It's not a bad idea, I guess. I I mean, um, yeah, those are kind of nice things to have, right, on the toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something something it's for the back of the toilet. <laughs> oh. I mean, it would probably wouldn't be that difficult to actually just go through the refuge text and pull out little, you know, 365 different little pieces, or uh, maybe at some point I could write something like that. But uh, yeah, thanks for the encouragement for that. <laughs> the seed, the seed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Adam, go ahead. Hi, Noah. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, I'll make it super quick. Uh, I'm on my second truth inventory right now. And um, this morning when I was doing it on the way to work, um, I'm on uh, two questions that I'm struggling with. Uh, what are you attached to? Make a list and name some of the specific sensory pleasures you crave. I was wondering if you could just elaborate on those two. Oh, you want me to tell you what I'm attached to? I'm attached. No, no yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. But, um... Yeah, I mean, the, the intention behind that is for us to get, you know, to sit down there, pen to paper and be like, well, I'm attached to my material stuff. Like what material stuff am I attached to? Oh, I'm attached to these people, right? These relationships, these people, my, my pets, my, you know, I'm attached to my image, myself, you know, kind of, I'm attached to my fashion, you know, just sort of like looking in that humble sort of like looking at, oh, here's all of the places where I cling and I probably suffer right? Definitely suffer because I'm attached. So lo looking at all of that and then, you know, naming the sense pleasures of really kind of like, we're all somewhat aware of what sense pleasures, but, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the sexual sense pleasures, just, you know, food, you know, I'm, I'm super attached to sushi or burritos or, you know, I'm attached to the, the good feeling of exercising or surfing, mountain biking, like the things that like, when we don't get to do, we get kind of grumpy and kind of we suffer about, it's not like, a, you know, I, I sort of like snowboarding or, or something like that. But it's like, no, I'm actually quite attached to riding my motorcycle. I'm actually quite, you know, when I don't get to get out on, on uh, in the ocean or in the mountains or whatever it is, it affects me. I suffer about it because I crave it because I'm cling for it. Thanks so you know, getting all that stuff down on paper is just helpful for us to bring. Then, then we say like, okay, now I'm engaging in something that I'm attached to. I'm still going to motorcycle, surf, have sexual, you know, experience, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but can I bring a different kind of awareness to it? And, and, and perhaps the big shift that we're all looking for is can I move it from a craving, an attachment to a non-attached appreciation? Yeah. 
you know, in our relationships and, and all of this stuff of like, I've, I've been clinging to this, but can I relate to it with uh, more of a connection of understanding its impermanence, its unreliability, and, and t- so that it's not a source of suffering, but it's a source of connection. So more like a desire and craving those the differences between the two, right? That's what we're looking for. That's the goal. Cool. Thanks a lot. I, um, yeah, I'll finish it off on my way back home. <laughs> Great. And take, take some other people through it if you're not already. Not yet, but you know what, uh, in your speech, um, it actually, um, yeah, I've, I've been attending meetings in Vancouver, so I've never raised my hand because I've just started this process and I didn't think I was qualified. But uh, what you explained today is like, oh yeah, maybe maybe that is a good idea and, and uh, give back that way. So thanks for that. Yeah, and it helps us so much when we're taking someone else and that accountability to them and we're taking them through the inventories. It'll help you on your path as well as help them. So it's so key. Perfect, um, Caroline, go ahead, jump in. You have to unmute still. Sorry about that. Uh, hi, I was just wondering if you're aware of a group in Montreal. There were meetings in Montreal, but I'm not aware. Now, have you looked on the website and they're not listed right now? No, I, I don't see anything. I think that they went away um, around COVID. You know, there's been two, you know, two kind of issues with our meetings. Um, if some of you are aware, some of you are not. Um, half of our refuge recovery meetings changed their name to Recovery Dharma and changed the program. And so the Montreal meetings might have changed over to Recovery Dharma, um, or they might have just gotten shut down during uh, COVID and not have been reestablished yet. Okay, I'll see what I can find. Yeah. And if you, you know, and I don't know if you're brand new or not, but if you've been around for a little bit um, and if there's anybody else here from Montreal, you know, start one, right? Because it will, you know, Montreal is an amazing city and a refuge recovery meeting is needed there and will, you know, support a whole bunch of people, including yourself. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's the other piece of like when you feel established enough in your own recovery, start a meeting. All right. Thank you very much. Welcome. Amy, jump in. Hey, I just wanted to echo kind of what you said about um, how good being a mentor is for you. Um, It it never, it it still surprises me because I'm not very bright, I guess, um, that when I got, when I'm having like a shitty day and I'm like, fuck, I got to talk to a mentee at like two, great. I really wish I didn't have to do that. Every time I feel better afterwards, you know, just that, cause I usually go for a walk or sit or something and we do something together and I just feel better. It's not always for the same reason, but just um, some things invariably come up in my recovery that give me something to look at. And um, I um, didn't do it for like my first year and I wish I had now, so that and starting a meeting isn't that hard. It's just really boring sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you had that experience where you were a tiny meeting for months and then, yeah. it, and then, it, and then it started, people started showing up. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's a possibility for um, doing them hybrid too, you know, 
having a laptop in there or something. I don't know. I know we were talking about that, but there are, there are people doing hybrid meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, I feel like it's, so, we're so fortunate that we were able to transition to zoom and have all of these zoom meetings. But I think that part of the problem now is like, people are like, well, it's just too easy to go on zoom. I don't want to go and deal with like leaving the house and starting an in-person meeting. But there's a quality of human connection of being in the room together that although this is a decent, you know, alternative to it, it's not the same as in-person connection um, and actually being able to talk to people, not in the parking lot, not in the chat, not, you know, and find mentors and become mentors. So in-person meetings is so important. Going to dinner first and stuff. Connection. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. thank you. Welcome. Sonia, we'll have this be the last one. Hi, Noah, thank you so much. Um, I, I got so much out of your share um, tonight and I'm brand new to the Sangha. Um, I attended two meetings online thus far and tonight as well. Could you just tell me, um, I'm not new to recovery, however. I have prior experience in another 12-step fellowship. Could you just share maybe for any uh, newcomer who's brand spanking new um, to refuge, just what I can do in the next maybe week or two just to get my feet wet? There's, I feel like there's also a whole new language learning process that does need to take place as well. Maybe get the book as well, but obviously abstinence, um, maybe just some things you could share, please. Yeah. Um, Coming to meetings every day will help because then you get the guided meditation instructions and you get, you know, some support with some, some people. We encourage the book. uh, I encouraged in the book in the beginning, just do the simple mindfulness of breath, keep disengaging from the thoughts, keep coming back to the breath and do that for at least 20 minutes every day. But more than just those 20 minutes sitting meditation, as often as you can remember, disengage from the planning, remembering, craving tendency of the mind, come back to the breath, come back to the breath. So for the first week, first couple of weeks, that can be your kind of core practice. Then we start to open to forgiveness, uh, both mindfulness and heart practices, forgiveness and compassion. But you don't need to jump in there right in the beginning. Just start with the mindfulness, go to meetings, read the book um, and find a mentor, find somebody that you'll be able to get their phone number. And uh, maybe even tonight, somebody here that could... um, you know, help uh, Sonia or anybody else who's new that's looking for connections. EC, I think, is also looking for some connections. So, um, you know, to, to be of service to each other and have some people that you can talk to about how, what, what they're doing. But, you know, the core is meditation, meetings, you know, the book is the guide through the, the process. And then, you know, you'll start your inventory and you'll start to do that, but you don't need to do that right away. And give yourself a couple of months of coming and connecting and uh, staying sober first. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, EC, did you have another question? I just wanted to comment so it's not lost uh, just how uh, much I liked what you talked about in terms of how self-obsessed, self-obsessed we are and the nature of that being 
human and how there's different gradients. And I just thought that was brilliant. And I, it really helps with the meditation. Like I found that I was able to meditate with a little less self-obsession. Great. So Fantastic. I'm glad, I'm glad it helped. It was fabulous. Thanks. Yeah. So glad it helped and glad to see everybody. And, um, for those of you, you know, that didn't, um, catch the previous ones, there's about, I think almost two years now, a year and a half of these, um, recorded on the refuge recovery world services, um, YouTube channel. So you can go back and listen to the, the podcast or watch the, the videos of these Thursdays. Um, and um, I'll see you next month, first Thursday in April. I'll be back. I think I'm, my topic um, is going to be about the importance of making direct amends and the, the process of, um, of making amends. And, you know, again, it's somewhat connected with this topic of generosity and service and forgiveness. So I hope that you join me next month. Um, I might change the topic, so don't hold me to that, but that's what I was thinking about, uh, talking about amends. And um, this is you know, freely offered. Uh, Michelle put the, the Refuge Recovery donate button in there. This isn't a meeting. Um, I do this, this is part of my service to, to Refuge Recovery. Uh, I don't get paid for doing this, um, uh, but if you'd like to, practice some generosity and support refuge recovery, um, there's a donation button there. And if you feel moved to, to, to donate, feel free to. Um, that would just help the, the organization. And um, many goodness that comes from our gathering, our meditation, our discussion of the Buddha Dharma, help each one of us heal and recover and be offered out, shared with all of the suffering addicts everywhere. May we each get as free as possible in this lifetime, and together may we create a positive change on this planet. Thank you, and good to see everybody, and see you next month. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.